This entire season of Retronauts is fully funded by listeners like you thanks to Patreon. If you'd like to find out how you can help and get episodes a week in advance, head on over to patreon.com slash retronauts. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Retronauts Micro. I am your host for this one, Bob Mackey. And in case you're new to the show or the format, these micro episodes are devoted to smaller topics that couldn't fill the length of a full episode. And they're brought to you by our lovely Patreon subscribers. Uh, And on this episode, I am not alone because I want to talk about a very important subject, important to me, and it should be important to you. And that is the upcoming, uh, or actually currently released, I'm sorry, Legends of Localization book. Uh, which details the many, many changes Zelda went through in um, making it to the United States. That will be the first Legend of Zelda released here in 1987. And uh, our two guests for this episode worked extensively to uh, reveal the many secrets that were lurking within those Japanese characters. So I will have you two please introduce yourselves and tell the audience who are you and why are you talking to me? (laughs) So hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Clyde Mandolin uh, on the Internet. I'm mostly known as Tomato or just Mado. And with me is... Oh, I'm Heidi Heidi Mandolin. Um, I'm known on the internet as Poe Trader or just Poe. So this is a pretty interesting uh, chat for me to have. And I've only spoke with you for... uh, I only like literally met you on Skype five minutes ago. So uh, hopefully we'll get to know each other over this chat. But um, I've actually been following your uh, your work, Clyde, for a long time. I believe the first time I knew of you was the... uh, um, starmen.net back when it was earthbound.net and I was reading your uh, localization stuff way back when you were doing the original earthbound to uh, mother to earthbound I believe it was called which is still preserved on your legends of localization site so you go way back as yeah, I do that was 1999 I can't believe it was somebody remembers that <laughs> oh yeah I, I have to remember everything it's my job but um so can you can you guys please explain to me like what is legends of localization and uh, I mean our audience loves old games they love old Japanese games um how, how how would you sell somebody on the legends of localization concept oh man like I have to go all the way back to 1999 to start this story. <laughs> Well, I don't know if we need the full history, but yeah. just like, what is it and why Why is it so fascinating to you? And what, what service do you think you're doing? Um, well, I guess for me, it's mostly just a hobby at first. Um, I just enjoy uh, translation and I like to enjoy, uh, I tend to enjoy sharing my insight that a lot of people might not have. Um, people who don't know Japanese, people who don't uh, play the weird games that I play, stuff like that. Um, I'm able to use my uh, experience and insight, stuff like that, and share these uh, Japanese versions of games in ways that most uh, fans don't really know about. And that's what the whole series is mostly about. Hmm. And where can people find all of your work, uh, at least related to uh, Legends of Localization? Uh, (laughs) Legendsoflocalization.com Awesome. Nice plug. So I did want to talk about the choices you've made. And uh, when I first stumbled, I mean, I was familiar with your work before this, but when I first stumbled across your blog um, and I noticed you were doing these game length projects, I I, I had read your Earthbound one. I was reading your Final Fantasy four one. But then it it kind of struck me as a little odd that you were doing games like Mario Brothers and Zelda, which at least on the surface didn't appear to have a lot of text or a lot of things hiding. But um, can you explain your uh, your justification or why you wanted to do a game like Legend of Zelda and just show how different it was or just just how things are are interpreted differently in the, in this game that does not really have a lot of text to speak of. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I started with uh, Super Mario Brothers 
and the text that the like if you compare if you go like the sort of illegal route and compare the ROMs, they're exactly the same in Japan and America. So the question is like, why would you bother to compare it? But there's other things like manuals, um, stuff that happened around the game, like the game's releases. And with Zelda especially, you have things like it's on a totally different system, has different audio, has different uh, gameplay mechanics in some ways. Um, there's like all these things that you wouldn't have expected right away. Some of the clues are completely changed mm. for no reason. Oh well, yeah, there's all, all kinds of the... Zelda that did um, blow my mind, actually. The fact that some clues were omitted and other ones were just made up for out, out of like out of nowhere. It seemed like just yeah. some localizer was uh, having a boring day. Yeah, <laughs> wanted to add his own spin on things. Sometimes I, I sort of theorized that maybe it was a uh, Japanese, like uh, there were like maybe Japanese players had hard times in certain parts, or certain clues were kind of pointless for Japanese gamers. And Nintendo, um, they they picked up on that and uh, changed those clues accordingly for the uh, English version. That's what, one of my theories I have. Otherwise, I don't know why they would have changed things so drastically sometimes. And what I what I really like most about your work is I'm someone I, I went to school for uh, literature. I, I love language. I love learning about languages, and um, I feel that your your work is a very good instructional tool for people just wanting to understand like how Japanese works. How, how these levels of like politeness work, how things are said in different languages. Can you talk about like, do you feel like you have um, one of your other mission statements is not only to inform, but to like kind of teach and inspire, at least in terms of Japanese, because it's, I mean, you seem very devoted to, you know, the Japanese language and translation and localization because it is kind of your job right now. So yeah. do, you, do you have more of a mission statement than just purely entertainment? Uh, well, like I said, mostly I just do it out of hobby. I just like to share the stuff that I know. Um, but I, I was have bleh, I was sort of struck by that idea of uh, helping teach uh, more with this book where I I don't do it so much in in the book itself but I created something called the passport which is like a side little book the passport to the Legend of Zelda yeah and uh, it, actually it will teach you Japanese and how to read it and uh, it has like every word in the in the in the game so you can follow along and teach yourself Japanese that way but uh, I, I didn't start off to, with the idea of uh, teaching I mean like a teacher or anything like that. More than anything, like I, with Super Mario Brothers, there's not a whole lot to say, um, and I realized that I could talk about other things besides just the game. And one of the one of the topics that came up was why is this Japanese game? Why does it have English text? And I wrote a little like a, I found I could write a whole lot about that, mm-hmm. and I just kind of picked up from there. I can explain why I can explain the why of a lot of things, not just um, just like side by side text comparisons. I can explain the why of things. Yeah, explain it. I feel that the service that your work does best, it's it's not just like, oh, in, in English they said this, but in Japanese they said this. You give like a lot of the context, like, well, in Japanese they say this, but here's why they say this. Here's where this expression comes from. And I remember um, one of the one of the questions we had on Retronauts an earlier episode is uh, we had someone from Natsume on, and he said uh, he did not understand the the mistranslation in one of the Harvest Moon games, and that mistranslation was confirm the origin of fire. When you, whenever you examine the stove, and that is something you actually tackled on your blog. Uh, you take user requests, or sorry, um, reader requests, and they'll ask you a question like, "Why do they say this in this game?" And then you'll go look at the source, and you'll say, "Here's why it was different, and here's how it was translated, and here's why the translator made this choice." Like, as if you're into like translation or localization or just learning about languages, it's extremely fascinating. Um, I totally love it so far. So. What can you talk about this book um, that you have released, and how does it differ from what's on the website? Originally, the idea was, okay, let's put the site in book form, and then 
Um, we found that that was a little, little difficult, so we kind of just redid everything. I rewrote almost everything. I uh, researched everything more thoroughly. Um, Heidi here went and bought all kinds of Japanese merchandise. We imported all kinds of merchandise. We took tons of new photos because, like, on the website, we just took stuff off of Google Images. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, we can't do that for a book. So we bought everything and took our own photos and everything for that. And uh, I did a whole lot of research into Zelda 1 because, like, I grew up on Zelda 3. So, well... A Link to the Past. Yeah. Nobody likes it when I call Zelda 3. <laughs> no, I'm okay with it. That's but, very contentious in the uh, <laughs> Zelda community. But, um, like, yeah, it's like I, I didn't play Zelda 1 all that much, and researching this book made me, like, like it a whole lot more because going from Zelda 3 to Zelda 1, it's like, hmm, you know, like, it's not as good, but it definitely is really great. And so I enjoyed that aspect of mm. it. I think uh, one of the biggest things is, I guess I should mention, is that it doesn't compare just the text of the game. It compares like the release histories and also I kind of tried to research it from the point of what if I had grown up in Japan how would my experience have changed how would it have been different you know instead of like printing games you could just go down to the corner store and just load it onto your your onto, little like your, your little blank disc. Famicom disc yeah and that's just like five bucks and you have you have a whole game you own that game now you yeah know? so yeah we explain like how Japan got their game and how it's different and then um we explain like a bunch of merchandise they got that mm -hmm. we didn't get, and, and stuff then, that we got that they didn't get. Yeah, stuff they didn't get. They never got a cartoon, mm -hmm. and I guess we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Zelda first came out, the uh, experiences were, were very different depending on where you grew up. And I look, and you know, I try to look into that and research that, and I I got a whole bunch of old Japanese magazines and poured through them all and tried to distill all that information down, and I did all mm -hmm. kinds of just like merchandise research, mm -hmm. um, and we also look at like the different versions of the games. There's like several versions of the English translation. Like, the English translation there, changed was, over time. It was quietly retranslated yeah. in the early 2000s. And then, uh, oh, was that for the uh, the Game Boy Advance release, um, the card release? Was, that was the one of the most uh, like well-known ones, but actually it was the... What was it for the... Uh, Animal Crossing? No, no, no. it was for that game, uh, GameCube one. Yeah, the GameCube, like, the special mm. collector's edition one. That's yeah. where it got retranslated Yeah, that's first. where it started, was the GameCube, uh, like, collector's disc. And did they fix those iconic lines, the iconically bad lines nope. for the... Um, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> some, yeah, sometimes they would fix things, and other times they would just leave actual typos in there. <laughs> just, it was really silly. I, don't, I huh. don't know why they fixed certain things and didn't others. So without giving too much away, for maybe our more skeptical listeners, can each of you say or give an example of one thing about the Japanese version of Zelda that's different that will blow their minds? Because I can think of quite a few, but I'd like to know from each of you, just like what is the one thing you pulled away from this project that really just blew your mind the most? You want to go? Oh, I, I'm making a face. Well, because <laughs> uh, the Famicom, uh, it comes with a, or a microphone and controller too. And a lot of people, well, this is kind of well-known now, but you could, bl like, blow or yell into the microphone in Controller 2 in Japan and theirs and kill the Poles' voices immediately. Um, and we didn't get that over here because we didn't have a microphone in our controller. A lot of people know that now, but uh, they every time that Zelda 1 was re-released on a new system, they had to change how they made that work for the Japanese version because... Not every system had a control or a microphone in the controller, so it's really interesting all the weird stuff they they did to try to keep that feature in there. So that like blew my mind. Yeah. We detail everything that that is. <laughs> you took my good answer. <laughs> Oops. 
Well, I think in the game, though, uh, doesn't even uh, doesn't the original NES version include a tip that references a feature that is not present on the controller? Like the old man says, um, there's a creature who dislikes loud noises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, like American and English speakers, they would think, oh, I should use the the flute. Yeah. And it does nothing. (laughs) That's what I thought. So, Clyde, did you have any any examples of anything like completely mind blowing um, that people might just be like, I had no idea? Because, I mean, we know a lot of the things about Zelda. Uh, there's a lot of apocryphal stuff, a lot of trivia stuff, but reading your website, I, I just it goes so deep, and I feel like a true Zelda master now that I've re- read and reread the Legend of Localization over and over again. Um, well, I don't have anything as mind blowing as that. There's all kinds of little things I can think of, like there's a, a trick in the Japanese version, but not in the English version, where you can get like potentially uh, infinite heart containers. But only in the first release of the Japanese yes, version. Yes, only one specific Japanese release. And uh, I go into detail about that and uh, how you can tell if you have that copy. Um, let's see. I also include how you can tell what version of the translation you're playing. Did you know that there's a Japanese board game that's amazing? That's true. I've seen pictures of it. It does look really cool. Yeah, there's many pictures and uh, inform- a lot of information about it in our book. Yep. And uh, we, we, bought, we bought the board game. We have it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, but anyway, like something mind-blowing... Uh, something else is mm-hmm. like the audio is different. Oh yeah, because it has the Famicom Disk System has a better audio chip or something technical. Yeah, it's all it's like I go into I go into the technical details yeah. of why it sounds different. Yeah. So we have all the audio in our book, except it's a book. So how do we do that? Well, you can you know scan a little QR code that we put in there. Yeah. Oh we wow, that's great. Forms, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we we show the waveforms like in the book, and they you can tell by looking at them how different the songs are. Mm-hmm. So we also provide a link to if you want to listen to it, go to this link or scan this QR code, and you can listen to it. Wow, we're living in the future. <laughs> <laughs> we we thought a long time like how are we going to put audio in this book? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to invent new paper. <laughs> so can can both of you just uh, in, to sum up, just like uh, just pitch the book to our listeners because I think we've done a pretty good job of selling it. But like, what what would your elevator pitch be like? Do you want to know the hidden side of Zelda? Like, how how would you sell it to somebody? I mean, I know Fan Gamer has their own little copy on their page, but like, um, why, why do you guys? Why were you, why were both of you devoted to this project and? Just, just why do you feel it's important? Can I go first? Yeah, go ahead. Well, Zelda is an extremely important game series to me, um, and the fact that I got to work on this, like as part of my, um, like, uh, what is it? Career. Part of my career, and <sighs> turn my hobby into part of my career is like, holy crap! I mm-hmm. can't believe it. And so. Uh, if I could, you know, just be honest, we put a lot of love and ourselves into this book and into this project. And it's not just a bland, like, here's what this text was and here's what it mm-hmm. is here. It's not bland. Like, we really super care about this game and we really put a lot of, like, extreme time and effort into this book. So uh, if you're a Zelda fan, if you're a game fan, if you're a translation fan, if you're alive, you might like this book. <laughs> And I endorse it, and I'm the host, and they have to listen to me. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Um, well, you pretty much said everything oh. I say. Like, uh, I, I've started out to make sure that it's not a dry, bland book. I wanted to make it uh, accessible to anyone, even if they're not a fan of the first game. If you're a fan of the first game, the book is all ready for you. There's lots of Mato humor in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a, if you're just a fan of the series, and even if you've never played the first game, um, you can see... Like how the, the translation choices and localization choices in this first game affected the entire series. And even in some cases, the localization affects the Japanese side of the game later on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, so, so like if you're a fan of you know like Ocarina of Time, then you're gonna see how this book affected Ocarina of Time in some ways. You know, if cool. you're a fan of, uh, I guess not Triforce Heroes because that was had just come out. I had to play Majora's Mask. You took some screenshots for this game, so yeah. yeah. Um, and I also made it for uh, just people who are interested in like uh, like translation, localization. Like if you're interested in that, that's great. Um, if you're actually an aspiring translator or localizer yourself, then there's all kinds of insight to to glean from this. And if you're just in, in the games in general, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's I try to make sure it's not just looking at a text file or anything like that. It's just going to be every page is going to be a joy to read. I feel. I can't wait to get my copy. Well, thanks so much, uh, Clyde and Heidi, for talking with me and being on the show. Uh, we'll have a link to the book where you can buy it on our blog and on usgamer.net. But if you're you want to run out and do it now, go to fangamer.net or I believe legendsoflocalization.com, and you could probably get them from both of those sites. Is that correct? I believe so. Well, cool. um, fangamer.com. Yeah. Fangamer.com is the store where you can get it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We link to it from ours. Okay. And did either of you have anything else to plug? I'm going to do my plugs when you're off the air, but uh, do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything else you're involved in that you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, go ahead. if you're a Zelda fan, hey, hey, hint. We we did a ton of research into Zelda 2 already for Ooh. another book. So, hey, maybe. That's right. We were actually going to make this a <laughs> Zelda 1 and 2 book at first um, because we wanted to have like a bunch of new content. And it turns out we already had a bunch of new content just doing Zelda 1. Yeah, so it's like, well, let's hold Zelda 2 for later. And so, Zelda, oh 2, Zelda 2 is coming down the road. But so next is Earthbound. Pre-order that for next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll try. I'm, I'm giving you a deadline. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully, I hope everything goes well. I hope the book does well. And I can't wait to, for the Earthbound book. It's going to be awesome. Well, we have reached the end of this special interview episode of Retronauts Micro. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Heidi and Clyde for being on the show. And once again, if you want to check out his new book, uh, just go to fangamer.com. I believe I said fangamer.net during the episode. That is wrong. It's actually fangamer.com. And you can read more of Clyde's work at legendsoflocalization.com. And as always, this show is brought to you by Patreon. So please go to patreon.com slash retronauts to find out how you can help us. Uh, basically, our patrons pay for everything because making a podcast is surprisingly expensive if you want to make it right. And these special micro episodes are brought to you by our patrons because they unlocked a special tier and this is why you're getting content on the off week. So if you want to check out to see what more you can get by donating, please go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Thanks again, guys, for another great show. And and I will see you next time with a brand new full-length episode. Take it easy. Take it easy.